Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. service today. Glad to have family with us today. My wife's family, really my family. You, know, you just say that to denote what side of the family it's on, but it's my family as well. Amen. Glad to have them with us this morning. Amen. All of them. We've had uh, fun together the past few days of celebrating this time of year together. Amen. And it's always a joy for them to come up. Amen. And be, be with us and, and come the Illinois direction. So they're experiencing a little cold weather while they're here. And uh, I don't think we're going to get any snow before they leave or they'd be trapped. But thankful for them being here today. We'll turn to the book of Revelation, chapter number two. I told my brother-in-law I was going to allow him a few words to speak this morning. He said he was just going to stand up and read Revelation 22, 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And then dismiss. So... Uh, Someone probably wishes before this all said and done, we'd done that. Amen. Uh, but who would know that I'd be in the book of Revelation, though? You might have been prophetic. Revelation chapter number two, I want to read verse number one and a few verses there. I want the Holy Ghost to help us today. The Bible says, And to the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou, thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars and has borne and has patience and for my namesake has, has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee and actually that word somewhat's italics it was added by the translators here so it's really nevertheless i have against thee because thou hast left thy first love remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else i will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent but this thou hast Thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit saith unto the churches, to him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Amen. Many of us are familiar today with the seven letters to the church churches rather in the book of revelation ephesus being addressed here this morning i'm not trying to end on a somber note in this year but just doing what i feel like has been on my heart and mind here of late i want to minister this this morning when god closes a church when god closes a church Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I come to you today. 
God, I need your help, Lord Jesus, in this next space of time. I pray, Lord, that you bring every thought, God, that may to me seem scattered. I pray, Lord, that you would bring it into perfect unity. God, I pray, Lord God, for the ministry of your word. God, I pray, Jesus, that you're able to minister, Lord God, in this place, God, in this house. Give us, Lord Jesus, strength, God, for the journey today. God, bring enlightenment, Lord Jesus, to our hearts and minds. I pray, oh, Lord God, we need, Jesus, a touch of heaven, God, upon this service, Lord, in this year, this morning. I pray, oh, Lord, you would grant it to us now, God. Enable us to do what's needed to be done, God, in the next little while. God will not fail to thank you and praise you. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ. I could almost tell the gaping, the gaping mouths that were open when I gave my title here today. When God closes a church, we approach here on this last Sunday, it's already been stated more than once that this is our last service and presumably everybody that sits here today is thinking, yeah, this is the last service of the year of 2017. But what if I gave a further detail to that and told you this was our last service ever at 1121 Cedar Street? What if I told you that the doors of this assembly from this point on will no longer be open? We will no longer be having worship here. We will no longer be teaching and preaching from this particular pulpit. But we have basically, this is now dissolved. We're going to have to close the doors of this particular assembly. That might be, well, Brother McGee, that was kind of outlandish, but let me explain to you that all across America in this past year from the statistics that I read, and they are quite vast and differ, that there will be 4,000 to 10,000 each year churches that close the doors to their assembly. 4,000 to 10,000 churches a year, that equates to about 11 to 27 churches per day. So it's quite possible even today as some are having quote unquote their last service of the year that they are having their last service period. Their last service period. Amen. For different reasons, uh, this occurs and happens. Finances perhaps not where it needs to be in order to be self-sufficient. Membership, if you will, low or lacking or at least those that call themselves members showing up for church in order to help finance the church could happen for various reasons. As a matter of fact, we stand where we do today and where we did in the previous church because there were two churches that closed. We assumed our second church because there was a church that got low in membership and financially could not support itself, so we bought it off them to continue as a church. We bought this church because it was a church before we got here. Someone was here, membership drew low and finances dwindled and it eventually closed and as a result of it, we have bought. So it should not be some just outlandish thought or idea that a church could close whenever we have bought two churches that have closed. Amen. Two churches that have closed. The Bible speaks of here in the book of Ephesians or in the book of Revelation, it speaks of a particular church, Ephesus. Ephesus seems by all means to have it going on. Seems to have everything in order that needs to be in order. It's a very notable church. It's in the book of Acts that we read that the Apostle Paul founded the church that was in Ephesus. It had a great pastor at different times in its, in its tenure of being a church. 
Timothy had been the pastor at the church at Ephesus. As a matter of fact, Paul addresses, it seems like, a couple of letters, First and Second Timothy, to Timothy whenever he was the pastor at the church at Ephesus. Paul had spent longer time at Ephesus than he had spent anywhere else. He had spent at Ephesus three years there at one time, formulating new believers, strengthening them in the word and the gospel of the Lord. As a matter of fact, whenever Paul later would write the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is an epistle that is totally focused upon the concept and the idea of a church of them, us individuals, being in Christ, a church. It was from Ephesus that all the gospel was preached to all the greater parts of Asia, the then known world of Asia. That happened from the hub and the place of Ephesus. As a matter of fact, when we read concerning the book of Ephesians, the apostle Paul, one-sixth of his references to love was referenced in the book of Ephesians that he speaks to the church at Ephesus and all the other epistles. Amen. One-sixth of his references to love happens in the book of Ephesians. He wrote First and Second Corinthians there. Ephesus seems to be a very high watermark of a church, a very important place. Its name alone means desired. It's very important. It's very viable. It's very, it's very, very important to the church overall in that day and in that hour. And when we come to the book of Revelation, it has already been in existence for about 40 years. There's already been two generations of people that have arose and left from there, so to speak. And it's still in existence. And it seems like everything is going well when we begin to read the first seven verses of Revelation chapter number two. The Lord, the Bible says, is spoken of as being in the midst of the candlesticks, which the first chapter, Revelation one, says that those seven candlesticks were the seven churches of ages, or the seven churches. And so he's walking amidst and among them, and he tells them, I know your works. So this is a church that 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 is involved in some type of work they are a working church and so that is a great great attribute to have concerning the church he says I know I know your labor your labor that that means laboring under toil to the place of exhaustion we're not just talking about working but we're talking about laboring we're talking about toiling amen almost to the place with exhaustion so these were people that knew what sacrifice was about they were sacrificing in their labor they were sacrificing in their work he says I know thy Patience, amen, meaning that they had to endure some things. No doubt the churches of that age had a lot of persecution that they were up against, and they were enduring through hard toil many things. So they were a church that, that endured many things. It was a steadfast church, a steadfast church that endured a lot of things, and he knew how they could bear up against the evil one, and they were a church that that was not going to take in any false doctrine. They were sure and they were steadfast concerning the apostles' doctrine. They had all of this going for them. They were a steadfast church. They were a church that knew how to sacrifice. They were a working church. They were a church that was very true to the doctrine. They weren't going to allow anything that was not true, anything that was not sound to enter in because they are a church that was very mindful of that. So they must have been a church that was separated, a sanctified, set apart church that's the type of church that they were and that's who they were but then the Lord comes and says nevertheless I have I have against thee because thou hast left thy first love and for the Lord it was you have great work but that kind of is eclipsed by something 
He says, you, you, you know how to labor and toil and endure some things and have patience with that and be steadfast. You know how to go through a lot of junk and just keep going and keep showing up. He says, but it's eclipsed by something. He says, you're not going to allow any false doctrine into your doors. You're steadfast concerning all that. He says, but it's all eclipsed by something. He says, it's eclipsed by you losing your first love. Meaning first in rank and first in priority. I don't believe the church of Ephesus totally fell out of love with the Lord because they still did their work. They were still patient and enduring. They, they were still not allowing any false doctrine to come into their sanctuary or come into their church. But their love was not what it had once been concerning the Lord. Amen. The Ephesian church was still going to church. They were still showing up. They had still got down all of the mechanics of raising hands and worshiping and paying tithes and offering. But the thing was, they were not as passionate about all those things as they had once been Amen. And so the, the word of heaven was this. He says, you left your first, your first love. You've left that love. He says, there's a few things I want you to do. I want you to remember. I want you to repent. And he says, and if not, I will remove your candlestick. The candlesticks were the churches of Asia. He says, in essence, God says, if this doesn't alter, he says, I'll close the church. I'll close the church. Now, here's the thing, folks. The Bible speaks in the Gospels that if a man has a candle, is he going to put it under a bushel? No. But he'll place it in a candlestick so all can see. Now, folks, if I were to have up here this morning the candlestick, it would be just a little peculiar, wouldn't it? Because the purpose of a candlestick is to bear the light. It is a light bear not by itself. It has the capacity to bear light. It's made for the purpose to hold light. Someone say amen. No, very few people, my wife does every now and then, she puts rocks and different things on top of it, but that's not what its purpose is for. All right, this is a candlestick. It's to hold a candle. It's to hold light. And what the Lord was having difficulty was this, because, see, the Bible says that Jesus said, I am the light. I am the light of the world. But if the church's relationship with the light, if the love is not like it used to be, if the love is not like it used to be and the church is separating themselves from the light and that love relationship is not like it used to be, God says, I'll remove your capability. I'll remove your capability of even bearing the light. He says, because the church is the light bearer. I'm the light. They just give witness to the light that I bear. But if you are not in relationship with me, if you don't have the same ardent affection and compassion and passion like you once had when you first met me, he says, you're separating from me and you're a candlestick without light and that serves no purpose in my kingdom.
Here's the thing today, folks. Notice this. The Bible says that Ephesus left their love. They left their first love. And then the Bible says God removed the candlestick, or if you will, he closed the door to the church. Let me preface this this morning. God will not remove a candlestick from somebody that's not left the love. He doesn't remove something that has not left. In other words, God doesn't just show up, amen, with somebody, amen, a church that is in, in relationship with their God, in love with their God, passionate about their God, and say, you know what, I'm closing the doors. No, I'm going to remove the candlestick. No, that's not the way it happens. It's the, it's the, they somehow cause a divide and a breach there first in the relationship. They leave and God removes what? God removes who leaves. Someone say amen. Ephesus, everything seems to be in the line. But when we look at the church, the candlestick, it's made exclusively for the service of the candle. It facilitates, if you will, the light. Without the candle, the candlestick is useless. Without the candle, the candlestick is useless. Its purpose is tied to its relationship with the candle. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. That's how then a little later in Matthew 5, 16, after he said, would a person take a candle and put it on a bushel? No, but they'll put it on a candlestick. Why? He said, verse 16, let your light so shine. Huh? Right? Let your light so shine. Is it right there before us this morning? Maybe not. Yes, it is. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good, look as it works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light so shine. Used to, I used to always stop. That's talking about the people's light. No, no, no. That's talking about a person's light that's in relationship with their God. The light that you have is not your own. The light that we have is not our own. It's due to the relationship, the love relationship with the Master. That's the only reason why we would even have a light. He said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Now here's Ephesus. They were a working church. God said they were, but honey, they were hidden without the light. They were hidden without that love relationship. They were in essence in vain without Honey, if we really look at it concerning this, we think, man, it would be horrible to close the church doors over finances. I agree. It would be horrible to close the church doors because of lack of membership. I agree. But let me tell you what would really be terrible if God said, I'm coming down to close the door because there's not the passion that there used to be. And can I say that low membership, low finances are symptoms of a bigger problem. They are really symptoms of a lost love relationship with God. Amen. All that are just symptoms of a bigger problem honey if the church doors close it'll be really because God closed them because somebody is not as passionate yes they show up for church but they're not as passionate yes they raise their hands but they're not as passionate yes they'll pray but they're not as passionate yes and when that happens when we leave the relationship God removes the candlestick our capacity capacity to bear the light. I'm not telling you lies this morning. This has been going over in my mind and my spirit. 
for a few days. I'm not up here with a nice oratory message here today. I don't have every word written out here this morning as I would normally have. Amen. But I feel like I needed to go forward with this this morning. How is this possible? Let me tell you. If God, you hear me? If God will do it to the angels, who are we? Jude said in Jude 1 and 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved to everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Angels that left their first estate. What happened to a third of the angels of heaven along with Lucifer? They were cast down. They were removed. Someone say amen. Whenever the angels decided to leave where they were supposed to be. Leave the estate of where they were supposed to be. Leave their first estate. God says you leave and then I remove. You leave and then I remove. They left their first estate. They left where they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be those worshipers. They were supposed to be those praisers around the throne of God. And when they left, amen, God kicked them out. Because here is the, the, the mindset and the principle again. God does not kick anything out until they first left. I know no one wants to hear this type of preaching on the last service of the year, but this is all the preaching I have for you this morning on the last service of the year. What does it come down to? Amen. He didn't want them to be married to their works. He didn't want them to be married, amen, to their endurance through hard times. He didn't want them to be married, amen, per se, to their doctrine, so to speak. What he wanted them to be was married to him. Whenever Jesus even called his disciples in Mark chapter number three, and the Bible says, in verse 14 and 15 and he ordained 12 of them this was the purpose for the ordination this was the purpose for him calling them he said I called them and I ordained 12 of them and look what he did it for that they should be with me and that they would send them forth to preach to cast out unclean spirits to heal the sick honey but if they healed the sick and they cast out unclean spirits and all these other things and abandoned being with him they would absolutely deter the reason why he ordained them and called them first and foremost for this ordination boys is so that you will be with me what love me honor me be in relationship with me Honey, we've lost our first love when we've made church about everything except him. When we've made church about everything except him. When we've made it about the mechanics of going through the motions, giving in the offering, showing up, but we've left him out of the equation. Honey, if we leave him, he can't remove us. He can close the church. Tell you what I'm, what I'm feeling this morning. Is this okay? It is okay. Tell you what I'm feeling here this morning. I'm feeling some people here of the local congregation a little embarrassed about me preaching on this whenever I got family in from another church. No, that's what, that's what I feel. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Listen, there's, there's two big different reasons for whenever... God leaves us and us leave God. 
The word left in the book of Revelation, it means to depart. It means to abandon. It means to forsake one for another. It's the same term that we use in the term divorce. Again, it's not losing love, it's leaving. There are two different scenarios. Whenever we leave God, we usually leave God for something else. But when God, if you ever feel like God's left you, it's because he wants to make you self-aware. Listen to me. Listen to me. Because the Bible says that whenever Hezekiah made his plea and he's crying on his bed knowing he's going to die and he cries out to the Lord and he wants the Lord to increase his years or take care of this dilemma in his body. And the Lord said, I'm going to add 15 years unto his life. The Bible says that God left him, not in a figurative sense, but left him to go on with his life so that Hezekiah might know what was in his heart. He didn't take him, but he left him. So he would realize he, he left him so Hezekiah would become self-aware. But when we leave God, we do so because we're fancying something else. Brother McGee, I'm still here. You can be here and not here. Brother McGee, I pay my tithes. You can do that and still be out of love relationship with the master. Let me tell you, all across America, there are husbands and wives that are cohabitating in the house that the love went out the door many years ago. They show up and they eat meals together. Amen. They pay bills together. Amen. They do all these things together. But something's went out the window years ago. They're just caught in the mechanics. I'm going to do this just because this is the right thing to do. But their passion, their love, their enthusiasm for one another has died somewhere in the grave honey it can take place in the church you just get caught up in the social action of coming here and doing what is right and lose out in your passion with God don't leave your love because God can close the church oh yes There's a variety of things that Ephesus could have put in their candlestick. They could have put their works. They could have put their patience. They could have put a variety of things in their candlestick. But what belonged there was the light. What belonged there was that relationship with God. Amen. They just touched, if you will, all the little spokes on the wheel without getting to the hub of the issue. The last thing that God needs in the earth is empty candlesticks. I'm not talking about numbers. You can have 200 people and still have a candlestick not serving its purpose. You can have 200 passion people without passion. Ask yourself a question. What did I feel like? What was going on inside of me when I first came to God? What did you feel? What did you experience? What was your frame of mind concerning God's house, your worship, your prayer? Your devotion, what was your mind frame in that moment? He says, because I want you to go back to the first in order and in rank. Not just that, importance. I want you to go back to that first priority, the first importance. We got divided loves. We love all kinds of things. We love our job, we love our cars, we love our house, we love our family. 
We love our dog. We love our spouse. We love certain series on television. We love, 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 love. But what, where, where does God fit into that paradigm of love? Where does God fit into that, that, that list of love? He wants to be first. He wants to be primary. He wants to be important. He says, I want to be that first love. You got to, he said, you got to remember. He said, if it's going to change Church of Ephesus, you got to remember. I think it was in the Old Testament that in the book of Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 2 and even verse 2, amen, that the Spirit of the Lord spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. He was speaking to Israel. He was speaking to Judah he said long ago he said I remembered when you would come out and find me I remember when your love and ardent affection was toward me I remember when you would go for days longing for me and searching for me and what was he doing he was stirring up their minds how do I compare with now compared to whenever I first sought the Lord compared to when I first sought after him he wanted them to remember he wanted them to see indiscretion if you will compared to where they were and where they are right now and he says I remembered folks we got to get back we got to get back to a passionate love a passionate worship a passionate prayer a passionate church attendance being here and really being here showing up and really showing up amen applying ourselves and really applying ourselves he said you got to remember He said, from whence thou art fallen. If you fall, that means you're at a level lower than where you were. Not rocket science. You're at a level lower than what you once was. He said, you've fallen. He says, now you've got to repent and do the first works. I love it. I love it. Because what I think today, some of the failure of the apostolic church, they want all the scriptures about restore, renew, refresh. Huh? Love, love Acts 3 and 19. That says, when the times of refreshing. Whoop! comes from the presence of the Lord. Man, we're going to get refreshed in the presence of the Lord. Something's going to sweep down. There's going to be renewal in the presence of the Lord. We're going to find restoration from the Lord. But look at Acts 3.19. Can you put it up there? Look at Acts 3.19. The Bible says... Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may blotted, be blotted out. When the times of refreshing. We're seeking for the time of refreshing in his presence. The restoration and the renewal. But it's all preceded by a time of repentance. I want the refreshing of the Lord. I want the renewal of the Lord. But honey, it don't come independent. It's coupled with repentance. And he said, Ephesus, if you're wanting the renewal, if you're wanting the refreshing, if you're wanting the light in your candlestick, you're going to have to see where you went off path. You're going to have to redirect that. You're going to have to repent. 
There's not a single soul in here that wouldn't just like to show up, walk up front, and let God's presence sweep down and you speak in tongues again. Lift your hands and tears go down your face again. Say, bless God. But I'm telling you, in order for God not to close the doors of the church, somebody needs to repent. Somebody needs to find a somber place in the house of God and cry out to God and say, God, I'm not as passionate as I used to be. I come, I show up, I lift hands, but I'm not as passionate. I've lost my first love. I'm not making it a priority like I used to. Someone say amen. Whenever closure of John 21 Jesus goes meets his disciples in Galilee they're out there on a boat they have recommenced fishing and they finally come into land and they're not sure who's on shore but they gain that knowledge Peter he jumps out of the boat and even swims in all these things that take place in the Whenever they were eating the fish around the fire, the Lord has died and been buried. He's resurrected. He's there with them. And they're eating the fish around the fire, and he looks at Peter. He doesn't ask Peter, are you going to deny me again? That's not what he asked. He doesn't even ask Peter. doesn't ask him, are you going to this following me at a distance thing? Is this going to become the new thing? He didn't ask him, because before, if you'll remember, Peter said, Lord, you dying, being buried, all this stuff, that be far from you. And he rebuked, said, get behind me, Satan, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. He didn't ask Peter, are you going to savor the things of men more than God? That's not what he asked him. Didn't ask him if he would flee. No. He asked him a question. And he didn't even ask him this, will you feed my sheep? Didn't ask him. He asked him this. He says, Peter, do you love me? So I'm not asking you about your works. I'm not asking you about your ability to endure. I'm not asking about the soundness of the doctrine right here. So I just got one question. Do you love You know, what he's, you know what he's asking Peter? I have a slice idea what I've done with my candle. <laughs> See, that's what happens to you. You know what he's asking? Peter, can I trust you to be a bearer of the light? And in order to be a bearer of the light, you got to be in relationship. Why? Because Christ knew, same as we know. People can get caught up in the mechanics of church that essentially we can have church without Him. 
Thank God for the anointing on the musicians. But they have the talent and ability to play without it. I have the talent and ability to prepare a speech and preach it without it. And sadly, I've done it sometimes. You have the ability to raise your hands and stand to your feet and clap without it. You can get up with your alarm just as you go to work. You can come to church without it. So the question is, Sister Margaret, will you show up for church? The question isn't, Brother Powell, will you raise your hands and clap? The question is, Brother Mason, will you sing behind the piano? The question is, do you love him? Because if you love him, that changes how you play. If you love him, that changes how you lift your hands, how you clap them. If you love him, that changes how you make your way to the house of God. If you love him, that changes how I preach behind this pulpit. If you... Someone say yes. So Peter, I want to know, do you love me? Do you love me? Because if not, you have a whole bunch of other things stuck down in the candlestick. That was not the reason it was created for. For humanity, if we leave, we're doing it for something else. Because it's that, it's that epitaph, if you were, the postscript that's written even on the life of Demas, that was a fellow laborer of the Apostle Paul. Demas have forsaken me, having loved this present. He didn't begin to describe all the deeds that Demas was doing in the world. Demas has forsaken me and because he's trying to climb the corporate ladder in the world. Demas has forsaken me because, you know, he's chewing popcorn at the ball game on Sunday. No. He went to the crux of it all. Demas had forsaken me having loved relationships with this present world. He has the capacity to bear the light. He has the capacity to bear the light. But they're not in relationship right now. And so he is doing something that he wasn't even created to do. Let me tell you something. You think he was created to have children, bathe them, and do this and all those other things in life that you do? That's not what you were created for. You were created for this right here. That's what you're created for. But we get duped into thinking sometimes that we're created for some of these other things more so than this right here. And whenever that happens, those other things take priority over this right here. God says whenever they leave, I'll remove God. The day that God closes a church.
Matthew 24 when it speaks of the disciples saying, Lord, what will be the sign of your coming and all these different things and wars and rumors of wars and deception and false prophets and false Christ and all these myriad of things that he goes through. Among that list is listed this. He said, the love of me wax. Wax cold. If you were to go to modern day, what was known as Asia, where the seven churches of Asia were, which is modern day Turkey today, if you were to go there, there's not one single one of the churches of the book of Revelation there. If you were to go where Ephesus is located, the only thing that is at Ephesus' location in Turkey right now is ruins and rubble and by and large more than 90 98% of Turkey is Muslim with mosques here there and everywhere Ephesus left and God closed it up Ephesus came out from under the umbrella of what they were purposed for. And God closed the door in Ephesus. If you'll stand with me this morning. Peter said it this way. I know, folks, this is probably... Boy, I'm glad 2017 is over after this one. The Bible says if judgment's to begin, where's it to begin? The house of God. And here's the reason why I'm concerned about the passion that we have. So I don't want to be dead. I want to be dry. Dry places are a place for spirits to take habitation. I'm not coming up with a theory. I'm telling you Bible. Bible says when the spirits were cast out of person, they're seeking a dry place. So I want passion because I don't want dry. Because you know what happened in dry places? Spirits will start cropping up in the church, in people's lives. Spirits of bitterness. Spirits of gossip, spirits of fornication, plain old evil, wicked spirits. No, I want to stay in relationship. I want to have passion. We can bow our heads in this place. All across this building today. Revelation 2 is not just for Ephesus. It's for the churches. He said, he that hath an ear. It went from individual. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's collective. Every single one of us. I do not want God to close the door of the church. But the principle was true. That if you leave love, you'll lose the light. If you leave love, you'll lose the light that you were intended to bear.
candlestick was intended to hold. God says, I'll remove then the candlestick. I'll remove your capacity to bear the light. I'll remove your capacity to bear the light. I know apostolic churches right now today, in the last 39 years of my life, that had to close the doors of their assembly. I do. It makes me cringe. It makes me cringe to even think of it. For that matter, and say whatever you will, man, just even hearing a church close its doors is almost just unbearable for me. I mean, because I know a lot of them maybe not be preaching the total truth, but some of them are trying to preach a little bit of something, at least maybe repentance or something. Man, just even to hear a church close its doors, just like, whoa, it just hurts me so badly. But I, there's apostolic church today I know that have closed their doors. Closed their doors. I have a friend evangelized same time I did went to a church Brother Mason you go and start playing he went to a church he was there he had, he had already kind of put things together for what he thought this revival was going to need he went in there though and it was just he said it passed Brother McGee he says it was just so he said it was so dead it was so dry so those people has just totally lost their passion contact with the reason why they were even in existence so I went to prayer that week and God began to pour things into my spirit for that assembly he said man I just gave it everything that I had I thought this is going to be this is going to be the hinge of the turning point for them he said I just gave it everything I got every night and he said he said it didn't do anything he said nothing, nothing changed he said it was just like man they were just there and he said I just I knew I just knew that something was going to change he said God dealt with me with specific things to minister specific things to say and I knew it was going to change nothing it's about a year went by he said I was preaching back in that same area for another another pastor and I said something about I said does so-and-so know you're having revival here they might come over and be in service with us he said no no brother he said they're probably not they're probably not going to be coming over because that church even isn't in existence anymore over there he said what he said, yeah, they're not even in existence anymore over there. He said, they, they had to close. You left your love. He said, you need to remember. You need to repent. And then I'll restore but if this isn't followed you've left you've left your love he says I'll remove the candlestick that's when God closes a church and let me tell you something when God deems something to be closed there ain't anything anybody can do about it unless they do repent these altars are open this morning, the closure of this year. I'm telling you, just like Ephesus, thank God for your work. Thank God for your labor. Thank God for your patience because this church and people in this church have bore up under some very difficult things. Thank God for your, your being faithful to the doctrine. I want you to consider today your love, your passion.
your passion. What's your passion like today compared to when we first moved in this building? What is your passion like today when you first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? What is your passion like today? Is it still the first love and rank and priority and in order? Or is it something different? If so, sir or ma'am, I'm telling you as a church family today, we need to find a place of repentance. I can't just swing in the doors and expect the glory and the renewal and the refreshing without repentance. Notice what David said after his sin with Bathsheba in Psalm 51. What did he say? He said, restore unto me the what? Joy. Joy. Of thy salvation. You know what he's saying? Let me be as passionate about you as I once was. Sir, ma'am, today these altars are open. I don't want God to remove the candlestick. I don't want God to remove the candlestick. I don't want to have to stand up here any time in the near future or distant future and say, this is our last service. Service. Thank you for showing up. There's people at these altars this morning that are faithful members of this church. They're here every time the doors are open. They're praying at these altars. You know why? Because they're just measuring their passion. They're just measuring their passion for when they come actually being, being here. This isn't about who shows up and who doesn't show up. This isn't about who raises hand during worship and who doesn't. That's not what this is about. This is about a measurement of your love. It's about a measurement of your passion. God, I want to keep the office for which I was created for. I want to be a bearer of the light. I want to keep the, the office for which, God, you have made us for. To be bearers of the light but we must be in relationship with you in order for that bad to happen you must be first in rank in order and in priority oh god <laughs> hallelujah someone lift their voice here today a good old prayer session at the first apostolic church would be a great way to end this year a good old session of repentance at the First Apostolic Church would be a great springboard for the year 2018. God, help me, Lord, to be the church. Help me to be the candlestick. Help me, God, to hold the light. Hallelujah. Just as John the Baptist, we are not the light, but we bear witness of the light. Help us, God, help us to keep that capacity to do so. In order to that, that but we got to keep in ardent affection with you, O oh Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.